Well, good morning. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are grateful that you are here and you're, you've joined our, our time of worship this morning. It is indeed a, a special day. It's Mother's Day, and we certainly want to honor our, our mothers in particular. I've uh, chosen a text that honors our mothers and speaks to them directly. Um, so if you would take your copy of God's Word and join me in Proverbs 31. Now, I want to confess that I love the book of Proverbs. I find myself regularly in the book of Proverbs. I love the nature of the Proverbs. I love how they're crafted. I love their poetry. Uh, and in particular, this section in Proverbs is just spectacular. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really helpful in, in being an excellent wife and mother. It's defining. It's formidable. It's helpful, and so I've elected to spend the morning in Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, and uh, I want to read the passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to make a number of preliminary comments, as well as teach you how you should appropriately interpret this uh, proverb, because many misapply uh, this section in the book of Proverbs. So I'm going to set you up with some tools to interpret Proverbs 31. And then we'll dive into this text. I put a, a title over this morning's message, A Rare Jewel. A Rare Jewel. Look at Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, as we study God's word together this morning. Again, I'm super grateful that you're here, that you're a part of worship with us. And this is the, the high point in worship where we get to study God's word together. This is the word of God. Verse 10, an excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. There's your title, right? First verse, right out of the gate. A rare jewel. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax. And works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Why, she rises up also while it is still night. And gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she then goes ahead and plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. Two kind of mechanisms for a seamstress. She extends her hand to the poor. Verse 20. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow. For her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She even makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders in the land, in the city. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. She then uses that revenue right to care for her family. Strength and dignity are her clothing. 
And she just smiles at the future. Boy, she trusts the Lord. She opens her mouth in wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household. And she does not eat the bread of idleness. Why, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her, saying the following. Many daughters have done nobly, great. But you excel them all. How is this possible? Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Ah, folks. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Why give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates or in the community. Again, I love the book of Proverbs in particular. I love this passage in the book of Proverbs. Um, she is an exemplar for us on Mother's Day of what an excellent wife and mother looks like. What every mother should be is in this text. Whatever every daughter should aspire to who's here this morning is in this text. Whatever young man would seek to marry is in this text. This is a signature, epic, pivotal text. It is a fantastic text. And as I just read, you should have felt that this woman is formidable. I want you to know she's formidable, but she's not perfect. And I want to care for this text and do so extremely carefully. I don't want to be reckless with this text. I want to pastorally help you Think through this particular text because you could, as a woman, read Proverbs 31 and feel some guilt. And you might even feel some, some shame. I mean, look at, the, look at this woman. I mean, she's a seamstress. She's a real estate broker. She's a business savvy. She's a communication expert. She runs a nonprofit caring for, for the poor. Um, she stays up all night. She's a night owl. She's a morning owl. I mean, she's just all over the place. I mean, you might feel the, the weight of that, and some people feel shamed. And I want to be very careful that I not do that because of how you are supposed to interpret this very pas passage. So my goal is to handle it very pastorally and carefully. I've thought carefully and long about this passage, right? So you might feel, ladies, that... She's impossible to emulate. I'm here to tell you, she is inscripturated because it is very possible. With the grace of God and the power of the Spirit, you can be this kind of wife and this kind of woman. So there's no guilt here. Um, I'm not going to hammer you. Um, I'm, I'm not going to kind of try to make you feel less of a wife and mother. As, as a matter of fact, I want to honor you. I want to bless you. And I think it comes down to how you interpret this passage. There are two ways to interpret it, and this is absolutely crucial. If you miss this, you're going to have guilt and shame. If you get it, you're going to go, oh, all these years I quite didn't understand how to, to uh, 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 interpret this passage. And I felt the weight of it, and it's kind of crushed my, my soul and how I think. So let me give you, with pastoral care, the interpretive key to this particular text describing this, what I would call like omnicompetent woman. I mean, she is, 
frankly, just amazing, right? The key to interpreting this passage is how you're going to deal with the verbs. There are 23 verbs in the text. And the way I read it in your version, ESV or NASB, whatever you have today, they elected to go with present tense verbs. I don't think that's the right way to translate those verbs. The, there's two ways you can translate these verbs, either present tense or past tense. Present tense means that all of these virtues and all of these attributes are happening simultaneously. Like right now, like you're buying a field, you're getting your food from afar, you're staying up all night, you're getting up in the morning. It, it's like unbelievable. And so when you look at it, it's so formidable and you're going, my goodness, how, how does any woman do this? And that's where the guilt and shame comes. If you translate them presently, both the NESB has and the ESV has chosen to go that path. I think it's better to turn, translate them in a past tense, meaning this. You translate that this description, this exemplar of a woman, is a picture of a lifetime. It's the course of a lifetime that she has accomplished all these things. I'm not discounting her accomplishments and her faithfulness. I'm saying it doesn't happen in a single day. It doesn't happen in a single moment and isn't happening in a single week. He is describing his mother, most likely Solomon's mother here, and he's describing what her life was like. In the course of her life, she has done all these things. There is no way possible that you could do all these things in a single day. So it's a lifetime achievement way to translate and to interpret this, this, this particular passage. She has lived a lot of life. This is a lifetime achievement. So let me just grab a couple of verses in here and translate them in the past tense so you can sense what I'm getting at. Uh, take, for example, verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. I would translate it. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he had no lack of gain. Okay? He had no lack of gain. In his life, during the course of their relationship, look at verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. For her earnings, she plants a vineyard. No, she planted a vineyard. Somewhere in the course of her life, she took the earnings, because she's industrious, and went out and bought a field and planted it and grew it. She didn't grow this vineyard overnight. Anybody knows you can't do that. And you can't go probably buy and sell and get your food from afar and do a vineyard all in the same 24-hour period. It's just impossible. So you want to sense that it's over a course of time. Look at verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates. I would translate it, her husband was known in the gates. See these past tense verbs. How you translate it is critical to whether you appreciate and, and interpret it appropriately over the course of a lifetime, the best of class, a lifetime of achievement. So she had a lifetime of fearing God, of buying and selling land, of providing for her family, for honoring her husband in the gates, for interacting with the community and the elders, uh, as verse 31 states. I mean, this is a lifetime of faithfulness. This is a lifetime of what it means to fear God. So it's more describing 
um, Solomon describing a pattern of a faithful life, not a punctiliar, particular week or day in the life of a woman. Does that help? That should be like a relief valve, right? Because if we're going to set her up as an exemplar, which I want to do because that's being faithful to the passage, but I want you to see her as an exemplar over the course of a lifetime. She is formidable, no doubt, an archetype force, an exemplar. But it's over the course of a lifetime. She's formidable, but she's not perfect. She had bad days. And she, she, she slept in, you know. I even joked with Jane, we kind of uh, overslept this morning, and we rolled over. I said, hey, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to have been up for hours making food for us. Like, what are you thinking? She knew I was teaching Proverbs. Everyone. She just laughed. You know, yeah, right. Welcome to the real world, you know. That's, what, that's, the, that's the relief I want you to, to feel from this, and, and I want you to sense this. And if it's in Scripture, it can be accomplished. God didn't write things in his word that can't be accomplished. This is, this is to encourage you, to, to give you a, a bullseye, to give you a picture of what faithfulness and fear of God looks like in the life of a woman, in the life of a faithful wife and mother, and especially on Mother's Day. You can do this is my point. That's why I'm trying to put such pastoral care uh, here because I don't want to misapply this text and I don't want you to have any shame and I want you to go away encouraged. Are there things that you could work on? Probably so. Are there things that I need to work on in this passage? Oh, I'll get to that. Uh, I, got, I got my bell rung about 11 o'clock last night reading this passage in my study and I was just like, uh-oh, man, I stink as a husband. So we'll talk about that too. Let's begin uh, first thing I want you to know is she's a rare jewel. She's hard to find. It says it right there. An excellent wife who can find. It's not because God didn't make a bunch of them. It's just few of them choose the virtue of being an excellent wife. Few of them are willing to set a course and a direction in this manner. It's not that, that God didn't make just a couple of them. He's just saying a lot of people don't choose this path. They, they choose a different kind of, of, of worldview so Solomon says, describing his own mother, she, he says she's rare but not impossible. She's an exemplar. She's the gold standard of a gold standard of a of a life well lived. The desire of Solomon is to awaken the reader, to awaken the women and say, Man, what a rare thing that I have, which would then induce what? Gratitude and thankfulness. And this is why we have Mother's Day. To, to thank our moms and to, and to praise them, right? So if we're to begin in verse 10, where it begins, it's like we should all just kind of stand up and give a standing ovation for our mothers. Uh, we, we know how hard they've worked. We, we, we know they're all formidable, and, and, um, but they do it imperfectly, just like all of us live the Christian life so imperfectly. So they're hard to find. Second thing I want you to see, and we're just doing preliminary comments here. Second, I want you to see the woman behind the woman. What motivates her? What drives her? What is she, what is her worldview, right? What's the woman behind the woman? Verse 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. What drives this woman to be the way she is? Her fear of God. She is passionate about knowing and obeying God. 
Um, that's all through Proverbs 1 7, 129, 2 5, 9 10, 15 39. I mean, it's thick in the book of Proverbs that we are to fear God. She is driven to honor God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, the Apostle Paul says, do it to the glory of God. She's clearly passionate about honoring God and, and fearing God. She has a heart for God. This is kind of DNA stuff, right? Of all the things she does, as we noted, as we read it, of all the things she does, she most importantly cultivates a love and fear of God. It is her singular priority. It is her foundation. It is what gets her up in the morning. It's what causes her to be industrious. It's what causes her to go out and buy and sell. It's what causes her to not worry about the future. Why? She fears God. So this is the woman behind the woman. This is base. This is motivational kind of stuff. She's hard to find, and she's motivated by her love for God. Her fear of God makes her stunning, frankly. That's what makes her hard to find. So she is scarce. She is valuable. She is an amazing woman because she fears the Lord. Again, I want to remind you as we dive into these six virtues that this is lifetime achievement stuff. It's how you interpret this passage. She is not an impossible standard written to expose your inadequacies. She's an exemplar, right? It's possible to emulate her life. And in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, we would call her Christ-like. Here it says she fears God. That would be a synonym or shorthand for her. She's Christ-like. She takes God extremely serious. She's mature, and she's become a godly woman over a lifetime. Not instantaneously. None of us do that. Now, as we make our way into the text itself, not a lot of good things have been said about women, women heretofore. The Proverbs haven't been kind, honestly. Um, Proverbs 5, you're introduced first to this strange woman, right? The adulterous woman. Uh, 9, chapter 9, you, you, you hear about this foolish woman, right? In, in uh, 21, you see this brawling woman. And then the famous other text is Proverbs 21, 13, the contentious woman. We've all discovered that woman. So heretofore, the Proverbs haven't been really generous or benevolent or even kind to women until you get here, which is the, one of the late, largest and thickest uh, paragraphs and narratives in Proverbs. As you know, by the nature of Proverbs, they're kind of pithy and they're one, two pops. There's a lot of parallels and like bang, 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 bang. Now you've got, hold on, stop. Let's take a a closer look at, at a rare jewel, at an excellent wife and an excellent mother. And so she's held up as a role model, the total package of incomparable value, hard to find. It's as if you feel the weight of this when I read this even last night at about 11 o'clock when it hit me. I just got overwhelmed in how fortunate I am to both have had, to, had a mother and watch my wife, mother, and care for the boys. So it's a course of a lifetime. You say, well, how does that affect young men? As they are looking to marry, they should see seeds of these virtues, not fully 
grown, not fully in bloom, but seeds of these virtues in the woman they desire to spend the rest of their life with. So let's dive into the text, shall we? There are six virtues of a God-fearing wife and mother in this text. Now, there's lots of verbs, 23 of them to be exact, but I've had to group them together under the title of virtues. Otherwise, we would be here for a lifetime ourselves and can't even go out and have lunch and honor our wives and mothers. So my goal is to seek to honor you pastorally and to dive in this text. There are six of them, so it's like a diamond, a rare jewel. And as you know, anything about a diamond with color and lucidity, as you turn a diamond with every turn, there's a different look, right? A different vista. And as you turn the diamond, you get different looks and feels on that precious stone. That's exactly what I feel like Solomon's saying about his mother as an exemplar to all mothers in this particular text. What she did over a lifetime is frankly amazing. And it's in the category, what I call virtues. All right. So there are six. First virtue I want to call your attention to. Please write these down. An excellent wife and mother is first trustworthy. First trustworthy. We've already seen her extreme value, that she's a rare jewel, that she's scarce. And we've seen her strength as her character, that she fears the Lord. Right. What happens after verse 10, which is what we just mentioned, It's like color commentary. What does it mean to be an excellent wife? What does it mean to be a rare jewel? What does it mean to be a rare fine? What does it mean to be a virtuous woman? Verses 11 and following give you commentary, give you color. They define what that looks like. They're, they're, They're exemplars for us. And the first one you see there in verse 11 is she is trustworthy. Wives, mothers are to be trustworthy. Worthy. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will know he will have no lack of gain. Listen, she wants to love and honor her husband. Uh, He has no lack of gain because she's never wasteful. Basically, what Solomon is saying is you can count on her. You can count on her. You can confide in her. She is your confidant, men. Through thick and thin, she's always there, right? In good times and in bad times, there's a consistency to her, right? A a deep trust. You can trust her. The heart of her husband, trust in her. Furthermore, it states that he will have no lack of gain. He doesn't feel compelled to go out and make more money because she's spending it. She's... She's just wasteful, and she's always spending money, so he's feeling the pressure of gain, always having to go make another dollar so that he can keep up with her her needs or her wants. That's not the case at all. He trusts her. Good times, bad times, he trusts in her. He trusts her with his whole life, right? He's, He's well pleased with her. Look at verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks out for his best interest right this is not occasionally this is the pattern of her life this is a pattern of a godly woman this is a pattern of a woman who fears the lord she is trustworthy you could put your life in her hands even in the hard times when you don't feel like it right she doesn't suck the life out of her husband when you come home there's a refuge and there's a joy and there's a delight and there's a 
It's life-giving to come home to your wife and watch her care for the family that way. She doesn't suck the life out of him. She guards and protects his honor. She speaks well of him. She in, she, he entrusts the, the, the leadership of the home, the management of the home to her on the day-to-day -day basis. Uh, she looks out for his best interests in the spirit of Philippians 2, where we are to literally esteem others better than ourselves and to look out for their best interests more than our own. If you have that as your worldview, where you are primarily concerned about other people, God will totally take care of you. She is like that. She's like that. Her judgment can be trusted. She's wise. She speaks life into him. She knows what's going on. There's impeccable loyalty here. And she's a fantastic manager of their home. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of his life. So the first virtue you see there in verses 11 and 12 is she is trustworthy. Second virtue I want to point out in the text. An excellent wife and mother is hardworking. Is hardworking. She is efficient. Verses 13 to 19. She is efficient. She is industrious. Look at the text. Verse 13. She looks for wool and flax. She seeks them out. She's looking for commodities. She's in the market. She's sorting out the best. And works with her hands. Look at this. In delight. She is hardworking. And she does it joyfully. Hard work is not a burden to her. It's a joy to her. In delight. Out of love for her children. Out of love for her husband. Out of her love for God. She delights in hard work. Right? She enjoys her life. She enjoys her calling. Working hard is not a burden, right? She's not begrudging what she has been called to do. She even finds work that must get done. Look at verse 13. She looks for wool and, and flax. It's what gets her up in the morning. Hard work. She loves the hard work. She crushes it, too. Now she's such an exemplar. To us. She crushes it when it comes to work. There's no argument here. If you look at this text, I mean, the fact that this virtue is a part of her worldview is crystal clear. You see, working hard honors God, and it honors those around you. She doesn't have time for comparison. She, does not, she is not obsessed with me time. She's not a chronic waster of time. She's just efficient. She's industrious. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness, right? She's not squandering her time. She's efficient. She's industrious. She's thoughtful. Over the course of a lifetime, she tried to use every minute to, to honor God, to honor her husband, and to take care of her children. She's a highly productive mother. She manages the whole household. What do I mean by hard, hard work? Well, in verses 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, you'll see that. So let me define. All those verses are coming up under this virtue of hard work. What do I mean by she is hardworking? First, verse 14, she is resourceful in the purchasing of things for her family. 
It's kind of a whatever it takes mindset. Look at verse 14. She's like merchant ships. And she brings her food from afar. So she wants to feed her family well. She searches the market. She knows where to get the food. She, she goes out. She purchases. She acquires. She, she just doesn't go to one place and get what they have and, and come back home. She's dutiful about it. She's careful about where she acquires her food for the family. Verse 15, she's willing to go the extra mile. She rises also while it's still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. I don't know about you, but... It was true of my mother, and it's true of my wife now. Like, we can go to bed, and somehow, or in the evening, the house be a disaster. And you wake up in the morning, and like, magic's happened. Everything's back. Like, dishes are away. Food's ready. Breakfast is set. We had banana bread this morning. I don't know when she made banana bread. This thing just happens. It's like magical. Like, how did that happen? Like, it's just there. Um, that's just true. This is like her. She, she'll, she'll do what she has to to make sure her family is taken care of. Her diligence is frankly just amazing. You wake up and everything's in order. She even takes care of her maidens. Well, we have modern appliances. Uh, they used help uh, in, in, the, in the early days. And, and they used help in their home to, to help get all this stuff done. We have dishwashers, and we have all these other modern appliances, but she, she even uh, cared, cared for them. This is just who she was. Next, she was wise in her investments, right? Uh, she, she knew how to stretch a dollar. Look at verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. She's like a real estate broker. She's out looking for a great deal. She buys it, and then she moves into a sustainability plan. How can I raise, right, uh, vine, the vine, grapes for wine so that I can then sell that and have a sustainable income for her family, right? She's wise with investments. She's stretching every dollar. She's enterprising. She's good at math. She's good at multiplication. She understands the sustainability so you don't just buy the land and sit on it. She cultivated the land and she prepared the vineyard and she planted the vineyard, right? She buys a field and then it produces. She's shrewd. She's amazing. She's a provider. Outside the home, by the way. As she's looking for opportunities to be creative. She's entrepreneurial. So if you put this together under this wise with investments, I mean, you can tell she's shrewd. She knows what kind of land to buy. She buys it. What kind of land would cultivate the right altitude for the grapes to grow. She's just very thoughtful. She's very capable. And, and she applies herself. She's curious. She had to go out and figure out how to do that. She had to talk to people in her community and say, what would be the best land to, to, to be up for sale right now at the best price so that we could grow a vineyard, so that we could grow our own crops and, and, and then sell them to other people and have some sustainability with that. She's entrepreneurial. Verse 16. Verse 17, she's tough as nails. <laughs> Look at that. She girds herself with strength and it makes her arms strong. Translate that to the modern woman. She's not afraid to get a little dirt under her nails. She's not afraid to get a little dirty. Right? Oh, she's feminine. B believe me. Look at verse 22. She makes her coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen, uh, fine linen and purple. She's stunning. She knows how to doll up. She knows how to dress up. But at the same time, what I appreciate about her is she's also willing to get dirty. Like get a little dirt under her hands. 
She's enthusiastic. She's energetic. She's not afraid to fail. She's, uh, she's determined to learn. That's what I love about it. There's just this passion that's driving her to, to learn. I think of Brianna Funky, who's usually sitting over here. I mean, it wasn't 60 days she couldn't bake her way out of a paper bag, right? And she has worked so hard in learning to bake. Like, we're all craving her bread. We're all like, can you bring us some bread? You have bread for Saturday. We're thinking of having pasta. Could you bring some bread by? I mean, she has just determined and just did it. It's just beautiful to me. That's what I mean by this kind of woman. Over a course of her lifetime, she's not afraid to get dirt under her nails. She's not afraid to tackle physical demanding projects. Um, she works hard. She's disciplined, right? She even takes care of the temple of her, her body. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She's got a strong arm to her, uh, which we just read in, in verse 16. She's not a worrier. She's not concerned about the, the future. Look at verse 25. Strength and dignity her clothing, and she smiles at the future. It may even look bleak. She still smiles at it. She goes, God's in control. Why? Because she fears the Lord, right? She trusts God. She trusts God will care for her family. And she knows that Jesus will cover all of her inadequacies with his blood. She's formidable, ladies, but she's not perfect. She had inadequacies. She came up short. Many a, a Saturday morning, she slept in. But she knew her shortcomings were covered by God's grace. Next, she's fair to others. Look at verse 18. She senses that her gain is good and her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy, right? She's skilled and, and thoughtful. She's fair. She's not crooked, right? Long days in the vineyard, up at night with the spindle. She's talking about being a seamstress and making clothes. So she stays up late doing that. She's in the vineyard in the daytime. She's an early, born, early bird. She's a, she's a night owl. She's fair to others when she deals with them, when she goes gets her food from afar. Uh, this woman... The excellent wife and mother is hardworking. She's trustworthy. She's hardworking. Number three. The excellent wife and mother is selfless. She is selfless. Verses 20 to 25. 20 to 25. She is selfless. Why? Because she honors God in her selfless service to her husband, family, and neighbors, I would say. And to her community. Right? It's wholehearted selflessness. It's manifest demonstrated by her long hours both day and night but her priority is clearly others that's why i say she is selfless give 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 and more give that is the motto of her life what does that look like look at verse 20 she extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy she cares for the least of these james 127 she sees someone in need she stops she cares She's thoughtful, she's compassionate, she's benevolent, she's selfless. She sees someone needs, she takes them in. They need a meal, she feeds them. And then verse 20, the other part of 20, there's B, she stretches out her hands to the needy. She physically helps them. She offers her hands. She offers herself to, to them, right? Verse 21, she sacrifices for her family. She's not afraid of the snow of her 
for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She sacrifices for her family. What does she do by that? Text, she plans for the cold, high-altitude winters in Palestine. She makes them Patagonia jackets in modern language. She makes sure they have the best jackets on. She then uses uh, the, the excess, right, to obtain resources to supply her family. Look at verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them. And the profits, she's able to buy more material so that she can make better jackets, fine jackets for her own family. And then she is rewarded by being able to doll herself up because she's been so faithful, so dutiful, stretching every dollar so she's able to have some fine clothes herself, right? Man, she, she's an amazing, amazing woman. Verse 23. Check this out. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She never embarrasses her husband. No, she actually makes him look good. His reputation is because she's so epic and so formidable, right? Behind every man is what? A great woman, a fantastic woman. That's the point of this passage. She never embarrasses her husband. She's strong and dignified. That's because that's her clothing, right? That's what she wears. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she just smiles at the future. She's clothed with character. She's strong. She's dignified. Her inward clothing is far better than even her external look. She's not competing with her husband. She's complimenting him. She brings credibility to him. She's so good and so capable and so awesome that she just makes him look good. It's beautiful. She honors him among his peers. So when he goes to the city gates, everybody's respecting him because of her, because of how she lives. Her self-forgetfulness brings honor to her husband's calling, his role. As she fulfills her calling, it blesses his calling, and there's this reciprocity that happens in the relationship. That's called complementarianism. That's how it should be. The wife should compliment the husband. The husband should compliment the wife. That's how God designed it all the way back in Genesis. That's why we hold the complementarianism today. She brings credibility. Why? Because of her character, right? She's eloquent. At times, she can sit in the gates. She can talk to the elders. She can be respected in the marketplace. She, she knows business. She's savvy. She's business savvy. She's an entrepreneur. Just amazing. Virtue number four. An excellent wife and mother is kind and wise. I'm going to couple two together because they come together. An excellent wife and mother you could say it is wise, but I'm adding kind and wise. Look at verse 26 and 27. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Well, what does Solomon mean by that? She is full of grace and truth. Behind generations of godly homes, including ours here this morning, 
is a strong, godly woman. She's a rock. She's a refuge to her husband and to her children. She opens her mouth and it just drips wisdom. It's like gold wisdom dripping from her mouth. It just drips out. She, she, she leads with her heart. She's balanced. She's benevolent. She's kind. Dads are what? Typically hard. Typically hard-nosed, direct, forthright, demanding. But moms, they just, they, they got it. They smoke us with kindness, right? But what makes her kind and what makes her wise is because she knows her Bible. She's a woman of the word, right? Look what the text says. She opens her mouth in wisdom. Wisdom in Proverbs is a synonym for God's word. She, it's a timely word, well-spoken, as Proverbs 15 said. It's like a perfect setting on a table, a perfect centerpiece on a table. It fits, it's right, it's beautiful. I deliver demands, unfortunately and sadly. She comes in and cleans it all up in kindness and wisdom. You know, I discipline and I take away the world. She says, well, where are you going to go, Turbo? You just took everything for the rest of your life. How about incrementally do that? Like, she just is so much smarter than I am, honestly. It's just unbelievable, the wisdom she has. Her words are clothed in kindness. She's thoughtful. She's not reckless. She's not harsh. She's kind. The kids are drawn to her. That's why they go to their mom, right? When something's going down in the house, they're not running to dad usually. They're running to mom. They're running for refuge. They're running to the rock, right? They're running to wisdom, right? They're running to, to that. Why? Because she looks out for her whole home. She looks well to the ways of her household. She doesn't she doesn't eat of the bread of idleness. She spends time in the word. She gets to know God. She cultivates her relationship with God. And that's in the crazy seasons, in season and out of season. And I know as a, as a wife and as a mother especially, there are seasons where it's hard to spend time in the word. It just is. I mean, you got three or four rugrats running around. It is frankly exhausting, right? And you do everything you can. God knows that. Those are seasons. That's what I'm saying. This isn't like she got up every day and read an hour of the New Testament, an hour of the Old Testament, two Proverbs, one Psalm, prayed an hour, listened to a, you know, read four hymns, did some poetry, and journaled all before 6 o'clock. No, that doesn't happen. Sometimes you just hope that a verse on the refrigerator covers the day. That's reality, right? It's the, it, we look at this woman and formidable. It's over the course of a lifetime. There's grace here, right? She looks everywhere for things to be done. If there was a word that I would use to describe her, I added this in last night, just relentless. Relentless in her devotion to God, her devotion to Christ, right? And the kids need to know that she is the best. She's one of the best teachers and, and does a better job. I may be able to stand up here and talk for an hour, but Jane can say in 30 seconds and smoke everything I've said in one hour, right? That's just the way it is. Listen to Proverbs 6.20. Solomon writes, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Oh, she's a kind and wise and effective and benevolent and generous teacher. She's wise. Why? Because she's a woman of the word. An excellent wife and mother knows her Bible. 
number four. Number five, an excellent wife and mother is worthy of praise, is worthy of praise. Look at verses 20 and 29. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her, saying, my many daughters have done great, but you excel them all. This is why we celebrate Mother's Day. This is why we're doing this this morning, right? Ladies, we all sing your praises. We extol your virtues that you earned, and you earned with the utmost respect. We can honestly say you all are the greatest mom. We were trying to pick out Mother's Day cards yesterday, Elijah and I, in the card store. And they're all like superlative. Like, you're the greatest mom ever. You know why? Because you're the greatest mom ever. Many of them have done nobly. Look, at, He even did it with his own mother. Come on, there had to be other moms that are epic, right? He says, hey, many are good, but you surpass them all. It's superlative. It's so beautiful. I can say that with a clear conscience to Jane. You're the best mother in the world. And you should hear that all day today from your kids, right? You're the greatest. That's true. Why? Because our hearts are grateful. We know we've got something rare when we've got a mom who fears the Lord and, and is hardworking and, and savvy and awesome and can do these kinds of things, right? Captures our gratitude. It's the heart of every son and daughter and, and husband. Praise her. Her kids praise her. Three times in verses uh, 28 and 29, the word and 30 are used. Praise her, praise her, praise her. There should be regular praise. She is praiseworthy. That is a virtue. Are you praiseworthy? Furthermore, her husband, notice this, her husband also praises her. He honors her. I can barely survive a day with these two. She'll sometimes have a day away or a weekend away. And when she comes home, I'm like... It's like a standing ovation. I'm like, all right, they're yours. You know, I don't know how she does it. It's just an amazing thing. I'm just trying to be honest. That's why they're hard to find. She's my greatest earthly treasure. There's only one person I trust more than Jane, and that's Jesus Christ. She's clearly the only earthly person I trust with my entire life. The question is, and this is where I got convicted last night, am I affirming are we men affirming of our wives like this when's the last time you rolled over in bed and said you excel them all you smoke all those ladies at crossing like you just smoke them you're so awesome i don't know do we regularly encourage our wives do we set the tone for encouragement in our homes do our kids speak respectfully to their mom do we say to her you excel them all. How often do we say this? I personally felt like I needed to repent of my silence and lack of tone setting in the home. And probably some of you guys do too. That's where this text boomerangs on us. And we should be finding ourselves, making sure we lead out in praise of our wives. And the kids ought to be honoring their mom. And we need to be modeling that. And silence, no more. Right? We set the tone for our home. Our wives are praiseworthy. And I think you can say that with clear conscience. You excel them all. He was saying it of his mom. We should say it of our moms this Mother's Day. And that's what we're trying to do this very day. Number six. And final. An excellent wife and mother fears the Lord. 
verse 30 and 31. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. There's the third time it's mentioned. She shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let the works praise her in the gates, in the community, in the city. Everybody knows she's epic, right? Her greatest virtue is her desire to honor the Lord. We began there, we end there. She's beautiful inside and out. She dolls up, looks great, knows how to dress up. But she leads with, with character. She leads with her strength and, and dignity. You know, charm, I just want you to know, ladies, will get you so far. But it will not get you into heaven. Get you so far. But it will not get you into heaven. You have to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. She's beautiful inside and out. She longs to obey the Lord. She's what I call just, I don't know how else to say it. She's just a serious Christian. Perfect? No. Formable? Yes. Excelling them all? 100%. Right? But she's just a serious Christian. Why? Because she's Christ-like. She's pursuing Christ. She confesses her sin. She deals with her sin. Her fear of God makes her worthy of praise. And Proverbs begins. Proverbs 1, verse 7 begins. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Right? She honors Christ in private and in public. God's commands are not burdensome to her. Now, as we wrap up, this woman does not present an impossible standard. I hope you felt I was striving to be careful with this text. I don't want you to feel any shame. There's no shame in this. This is best of class over lifetime achievement. That's how you need to interpret this. There are going to be seasons where it's tough and it's hard in the house. And you've got to stretch every dollar a multiple of 10, right? We've all been there. We're like, oh, no, where's, what are we going to do? And we're going to sacrifice our meal ourselves so our kids can eat. Whatever it takes, right? There's just seasons like that. There's going to be seasons where you can't find a, a minute in the day as a young mom to read your Bible. It's okay. There's grace there. I want you to know it's okay. It's okay. But over the course of your lifetime, you have to choose today and every day to be a virtuous woman and an awesome mom. You have to choose that. Are you going to do it perfectly? Mm -mm. But are you diligent? Yes. Selfless? Yes. Intentional? Yes. And over a lifetime of fearing God, albeit imperfectly, you will be an exemplar like this. And this could be written of you. You know, it could be written of you for sure. I know it can. You, I watch some of you do that. I say, let's put together a meal. It comes together. How it comes together? It's a mystery. How are things done in the home? It's a mystery. How are you able to traverse and run up to Louisville and find that pasta and do this? And I, I, it's a mystery. It's crazy. How you're able to put all that stuff together? Insurance broker, real estate broker, financier, buying land, farmer, planting vineyard, seamstress. It's awesome. But here's the deal. I don't want you to just think that we're saying you have to check the boxes to be a virtuous woman. I want you to know, most of all, that your identity is in Christ, not in what you do as a mom. We would blow Mother's Day to smithereens if we said, hey, if you'll just check these six boxes, you, you'll feel better. No. Your identity is in Christ, right? 
in the sinless life and imputed perfect righteousness of Christ, that is where you, there's where you find your identity as a wife and mom. That's where you find it. Your identity is that you're in Christ, not that you're a super mom or a formidable mom. You will be, you are, but you'll do it imperfectly. And when you do it imperfectly and when the inadequacies come and you feel it, the blood of Christ covers that, right? Because you're in Christ and you can rejoice your name. What did they, when they asked the disciples, what should they be rejoicing about? They said, don't rejoice in this, rejoice in this, that your name is written in the land's book of life, right? You can do this. You are doing it. I'm proud of you. And I speak for all of the fathers and all of the sons and daughters in the room. Happy Mother's Day. You are amazing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this text and the example it provides for us. Lord, you're good to us for giving us such a text. That Solomon loved his mom, it's clear how he wrote about her, how he described her, what he remembered of her. Man, Lord, I pray for our moms today to be refreshed, to rejoice. And we can honestly say, all of us can say, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And you excel them all. Lord, help the dads and husbands here to um, set the tone in the home for complimenting, for giving life-giving encouragement to our, our wives. I pray that the moms would feel the pleasure of the Lord as they serve and raise in these little ones for the next generation. Give them wisdom, a word fitly spoken, a right time of the day, know when to discipline, when to throttle, when the kids need advocacy and Lord, just the, to navigate all that is just spectacular. And we're so thankful that you have given us these moms and these wives to us. Uh, we are extremely grateful and extremely thankful for your good gift. I pray that they would continue to seek you and to know you. If there's one that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would fall in the mercies of God today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.